The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. As we've been telling you, it's been 15 days since the bodies of Australian Lucas Fowler and his American girlfriend, China Deese, were found along the Alaska Highway in northern B.C. Now, four days later, the body of 64-year-old uh, UBC botanist Leonard Dick was found. This afternoon, still no new information on the whereabouts of the teen murder suspects, Briar Schmigelski and Cam McLeod. The RCMP emergency response team and major crime unit has pulled out of York landing manitoba you just heard that in our newscast they've shifted back to gillam about 90 kilometers to the north that is where the two were last confirmed seen a week ago sean o'shea is there and he has the latest a day of frustration now a new day of more searching the rcmp says it's still gathering leads in its effort to find two wanted men sought for three murders residents here thought and hoped police were close on monday but they hit a dead end in the community of york landing so police are responding to tips now and continuing to get military assistance as the search goes on sean o'shea global news gillam manitoba as the search goes on and the rcmp stating on twitter this afternoon that that they weren't holding a, a news conference today but did say there were no significant updates from last night's search efforts we're planning to uh, issue a news release later this afternoon barring any significant developments we will hold a press conference to provide more detailed information about the search up until this point and then we're expected that tomorrow now i can tell you uh, just a short time ago um rcmp in manitoba did tweet that they have now completed completed their door-to-door canvases in Fox Lake Cree Nation and the town of Gillum. So uh, to date, over 500 homes have been visited by investigators. So the question is, where are these two and how are they surviving in the wilderness and what does that take? We're joined this afternoon uh, by survival expert and founder of Maple Leaf Survival in Winnipeg, Sherman Kong. Uh, Sherman, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, are you surprised that they haven't been found yet? Well, the question of whether or not they've been found versus how long they've been uh, able to survive, if in fact they're still alive, are related but mm. separate questions. So, you know, if, if, if someone is asking, you know, how is it that they have been able to survive out there for so long, um, we, ha- we can't forget that it's, it's not the first time that someone's been able to stay out in the bush for extended periods mm-hmm. of time. Just recently in Manitoba, um, we had an 84-year-old woman um, caught in a survival situation herself. Um, that was four days, though, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, a little to no survival experience. Yeah. But the point is, every year, many people find themselves in survival situations, oftentimes unexpectedly with uh, either a little gear or a little to no survival training. Isn't there um, a difference, though, between survival and being um, being hunted, being tracked? There, there is. Yeah. So, and so again, they're they're kind of separate questions, right? Mm. So it is possible, certainly, to stay out for extended periods of time, especially if you're highly motivated to do so, as we would assume that these two gentlemen are. Mm. Um, the, the other consideration, however, is because it's not a typical survival situation whereby, you know, you're literally trying to stay alive um, and hoping that you know rescue comes, uh, and you're not moving around, you know. You know, on a good day, it can take 24 to 48 hours on a, on a good day, right? Mm-hmm. But in the case where you have two highly motivated uh, people intent on not being found, um, and we have to assume that they were, at, at least to a certain degree, expecting to encounter this type of scenario. And again, we don't know how well equipped they are or are not. I mean, if 
if we assume that they came in a vehicle, a vehicle can carry a large amount of supplies mm. uh, to include food. So we don't know how well stocked they are. But, um, you know, to be on the run, employing escape and evasion tactics, I think would be safe to say, um, in addition to basic survival fundamentals, that coupled with the geographical area that the search teams have to comb, the expanse of it, and that they're running uh, or assuming to be, you know, on the move, it's very hard. It makes it makes the whole problem very dynamic. Yeah, and I guess you know part of it too is you know how the area the area that they're last seen or suspected or believed to possibly be in. I mean, it's a it could be a huge, um, huge, uh, huge area. And how well is that locked down? I mean, you know, the police. There can only be so many police, only so many uh, people, and given the terrain, that can be very difficult to to have that area locked down. Absolutely. Uh, I'm sure they're doing an outstanding job, however, of securing the area uh, as best they can with the resources and the manpower that they have. Um, but at the same time, there's always a possibility that you know someone can slip through the cracks. We don't know exactly where they are. We don't know how much of a head start they have. Uh, we don't know if they've left the area. There's a lot of unknowns. Uh, so it just makes everything very challenging. Yeah, let's talk about uh, a little bit. I know you've been asked about this uh, a lot. We talk about the terrain in uh, in the wilderness of, of northern Manitoba. I was on your website today and looking at some of the courses that you run. When you look at uh, the wilderness in northern Manitoba, uh, what does it take to make it to survive up there? The most important thing to survive is your mindset. Mm. So your mind will create a heaven or a hell for you. Yeah. In other words, you can have all of the training, you can have all of the gear, supplies, but if in a real life situation you panic, you lose the ability, the ability to think coherently, plan out your next steps, think rationally, uh, make good decisions. None of that means anything. So your mindset is actually very key in a survival situation above and beyond anything else which is why i I maintain that uh in this case because we assume them to be highly motivated because the consequences you know of their apprehension i think we can all agree is quite dire that in and of itself can motivate someone to Mm. stay in the bush for extended periods of time um and again people get lost all and and require rescue all the time um, so it's not um, necessarily surprising that they've, if they're still alive and in that area, it's not necessarily surprising that they've been able to survive. Mm. Um, so we have to make sure that we just, you know, reframe our thinking around survival. Sherman Kong is a survival uh, expert. He is with a Maple Leaf Survival based out of Manitoba. Um, they've proven re- uh, pretty resilient uh, so far uh, from what we can guess at, at this point. Uh, what dangers are there going forward, would you say, right now, Mr. Kong? For them? Yes. Well, I would imagine, um, you know, one being apprehended. Um, there's large predators out there, bears, wolves, the odd polar bear. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the black bears, you know, oftentimes bears don't really want to have anything to do with humans. <laughs> um, polar bears or wolves, that might be a little bit of a different situation. So who knows how they're dealing with that threat. Um, I would imagine that at this stage of the game, um, you know, in if we consider, you know, some of the basics of survival, shelter, water, fire, food, uh, I would imagine that if they're still in the area and still alive, that food would start 
is becoming a consideration. Not that water is not important, but if they're alive still at this point, they probably, you know, have developed a system to procure water, make it safe to drink and all that kind of stuff. But even though you can go a little bit longer without food, in a typical survival situation, um, this is not a typical survival situation. They're on the run. So the mm-hmm. terrain, as treacherous and exhausting as it is, is perhaps going to bump up the need for food, um, you know, quicker than the three weeks, let's say. Yeah, and you, and you talk about kind of putting a, a plan in place there, but when you're looking at survival tactics, if you needed if you needed food or if you needed to stay warm, things like um, discharging a, a firearm um, to maybe to, to kill an animal to eat, yeah. to light a fire, I mean, there's a whole different way of doing it. Um, yeah. you, know, you know, daytime, nighttime, that sort of thing, wouldn't there? Either that's correct. So that's something that I've been speaking uh, a lot about in terms of the different survival tactics that they are probably employing. So instead of, like I said, traditional type survival um, mm. tactics, more along the, the, the spectrum of, of escape and evasion. Yeah. So as you mentioned, for instance, if they have firearms, you know, would they, they probably do not wish to discharge them for fear of being located. They make a lot of noise. However, that could be problematic for them if they intended to use those firearms either to hunt or for protection against animals or anything else they may may perceive to be a threat. Uh, Same thing with lighting fires. They may wish not to light fires in the evening because it's easier to locate or see flames at night than it is by day. But again, that could be problematic if they need to, you know, light a fire to stay warm uh, or ward off animals. Now, there's ways um, to mitigate that, Um, but there's certainly... Um, it's certainly not your typical survival situation. So the tactics that they're employing are, are likely quite a bit different. Is the, would you think that the longer that you're on the run, the, the more sloppy you might get? It's certainly possible, um, you know, especially if, you're, if they're starting to get worn down, if they're getting hungry, um, you know, whether or not that's going to allow them to continue to make rational decisions. Uh, the interpersonal dynamics uh, between the two of them mm-hmm. uh, you know, assuming that they're both still, you know, in, in good shape, um, is going to be very important. It could work for them. It could work against them. So, for instance, you know, if they're both, uh, if the interpersonal dynamics between the two of them are healthy, they're on the same page, they want the same things, they agree on, you know, how they, how they see this ending in terms of whatever their ultimate goal is, that can help. Mm-hmm. motivate them and, and keep them at large for longer. Um, you know, in, in addition to companionship and morale and keeping each other calm uh, and encouraging each other. However, on the flip side, it could also work against them. So if their interpersonal dynamics are not well, yeah. if they cannot agree on how they wish this to play out, if they're not on the same page, this, that, and the other, um, and then that can wreak havoc on, um, on their relationship, power struggles, uh, things of that nature. Sherman Kong is the founder of Maple Leaf Survival in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Mr. Kong, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Appreciate your insight. Thank you. Okay, take care now. Um, interesting enough, uh, a lot of you have been over the, the past week saying you need to get the, the survivor man, the man tracker, uh, Les uh, Stroud out there. One of my uh, colleagues at CKNW in Vancouver talked to him, and I'll, I'll play uh, more of that interview a little bit later on in the show, but Nikki Reitmeyer had asked him, what does it take to track people in the wilderness? This is uh, Les Stroud's answer. 
and they're really great at it. I got to say, my my, you know, thumbs up uh, and and respect to uh, OPP officers, RCMP officers, the military, and their search and rescue abilities. They're really quite skilled. It is amazing. They can look at something like uh, your footprint in some wet grass from an airplane and know that it's not a moose. Uh, that kind of skill level is, is what is on the side of the searchers. It doesn't take much for you to leave your marks in the woods. Uh, a skilled tracker will spot branches that are broken. Well, there's branches broken in the woods all the time, but not by a human. Mostly that's by moose or bear or another tree falling or what have you. Humans make specific we leave specific calling cards as we go through with our footprints, with rich clothing. As I said, I, I remember being involved in an, an exercise where the OPP were trying to find me, and they found a little piece of, of linen that, that had ripped off of my shirt. And we're talking about in the middle of the forest, and I'm, I'm in a much thicker forest than where these boys are. So yes, there are a lot of little nuances to search and rescue. On the other hand, depending on the person who's not wanting to be found, uh, depending on what their skill is, you learn how to cover up your tracks. Like I say, the, the fantastical nature of the, of the trapper of Mad River who wore snowshoes. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms. <laughs> 